You're listening to Brown on Brand, featuring Matthew Brown on Thumbstopper.fm. Hello, hello, hello again. It's Matthew Brown with Brown on Brand, and we're really going to flip the script today and do something completely different, something different than I've ever done. And we're going to jump into, you know, something I'm really interested in, and it's local politics. And I'm lucky enough today to have April Griffin on the set. Hi, April. Hi, how are you? Yeah. Well, I'm great. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Awesome. And um, you're running for Hillsborough County Tax Collector. You know, one of the things that I want to talk about on the show today really are, and we were talking about it a little bit, you know, you politics are a big thing today. And I think even, you know, they talk about the youth never coming out and voting in the past. And there are certain candidates that can really get, you know, young people out to vote. And what I don't think gets enough attention are kind of the local government. And we were talking about kind of some of the demographics that come out and vote for that position. But explain to me, you know, what the tax collector does. So the tax collector runs the Department of Motor Vehicles, your concealed weapon permits, um, your fish in Florida hunting licenses and fishing licenses. Um, They distribute uh, birth certificates. They collect uh, property taxes, which are set by the property appraiser, but the tax collector uh, collects those and then distributes them. Um, It's about customer service, though. At the end of the day, providing customer service for people who are coming in to get those required documents. Okay, great. And so is that a big change, right? You were on a school board. That's kind of your, tell us about that. Oh, I've been involved in politics, kind of aging myself a little bit here for almost coming on 30 years. Okay. Um, I started out as a a young Democrat working for people that I believed were, were going to serve me and my family and um, grassroots on the corners holding signs, stuffing wow. envelopes, knocking on doors. And then I, I people saw some talent, I guess, in me and asked me to be a part of their campaign. And so I started nice. out as a legislative, or not a legislative aide, I was a campaign staff member for Congressman Jim Davis. Okay. Worked with him. Um, and then I was a, a campaign manager, and then I was a campaign consultant. And all the while, people kept saying to me, well, why aren't you running? Why aren't you running? And then one day, uh, a seat came open, and I had a friend on the school board that told me that somebody was retiring, and I decided that I was going to run then, and I served 12 years on the Hillsborough County School Board. Wow, that's great. And the so were your parents involved in politics at all? Is it something that you saw at an early age because you were drawn to you know, making a change? Did you see something that affected you that drew you into that? <laughs> it's funny because, no, um, it's... I I come from a, my dad was a Marine and was a very, very conservative Republican. Sure. And my mother was a hippie. Okay. (laughs) And so our dinner conversations were always very interesting. And I ended up, it was funny because I always ended up playing devil's advocate. Okay. And um, when I went to register uh, at 18 to vote, I didn't know what I was. And so I registered as... Which party? I didn't know what I was. I didn't know which party. And so... I'm like, okay, I registered as an independent. Yep. And um, and then when I started college, I had an American government professor challenge those of us in the class that were independents, and we were talking about the two-party system oh. and how important it is to be, you have to pick a side yeah. if you're going to be involved in politics, and you really have to pick a side, because yeah. if you don't, then the decision is made. Yeah. By the time the general election yeah, comes the, along. Yeah, the primaries, you're not going to be able to participate, right? Right, right. And it is important. It, it's sad in a lot of ways, but 
you know, it, it, it's the way it is, and whether you agree with it or don't agree with it, it's so true, right, is, is you almost have to pick a side. You have to pick a side. And although I'm a very, um, you know, I, I see both sides. I see good on both sides. I see bad on both sides. But I did. I, I, he challenged us for extra That's credit. That's so true. That's such a good statement. And, and I went and I looked at the parties, and I decided at that point in my life, I, you know, aligned more with the Democratic principles. and Yeah. And I, so I registered as a what Democrat. What year was that? That was in 1996. And so have you seen the parties change at all oh. over, over that time? You know, or have there been fundamental changes in your mind to the two parties? There, there have been changes to the parties. Um, interest has gotten, special interest has gotten very involved. Yep. Issues have, have driven a lot of the politics yep. a lot more. I think that Politics itself has changed an awful lot. When I first got involved, um, and that's, you know, I finally felt like I was where I was supposed to be when I got involved in politics. I felt like I was home. Yeah, It, it just was a very natural fit for me. I loved it. I was so passionate about it. Um, but lately, people have gotten very, it's very divisive, Yeah, if you will. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody would argue today. And social media is obviously open the window to things that you might not have, you know, said before in public. And I see politicians, I, you know, my hat's off to you. You want to talk about being in the public eye, the maliciousness on both sides is just, at some point, I don't know what's ever going to heal and close that up a little bit. Hopefully, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I worry about it. You you have to have a thick skin yeah. to be in this world. And and I'm someone who is very forthright and I, I approach a problem head on. Yeah. And so I will, and I, against a lot of advice from the people around me, if someone is saying something that's not correct, yep. I will write them back and say, you know, if you'd like to sit down and talk, here's my number, give me a call. Yeah. And I will tell you what you just said is very true. A lot of people are very brave when they're typing. Right. But when you ask them right. to have a conversation face to face, you really, you won't get that. I don't know when that flip or that switch flipped really with humans. And I think the hardest part for humans is to be open because maybe they don't want to be wrong about their position. I, I see certain things ingrained in people and I'm from the Midwest and rural America and I couldn't wait to get out of there. And I think looking back, I think a lot of it maybe had to do with some political beliefs and things that were different, you know, for what I thought anyway. And it is the divisiveness today is just nasty. And, but I don't, you know, I don't want to turn this into just a, you know, something that we talk about the sad stuff and, and turning back to kind of what, what I started with, with the local politics, there's not enough support there. People aren't coming out enough. When you hear the demographics for like the local offices, you know, what, what's going to influence, right? The biggest thing that'll drive people out to vote for these, like how many campaigns are going on at one time as with the local tax collectors campaign? Well, the, the tax collector is going to be on the ballot in August. Yep. We have our presidential primary in March, so okay. a lot of people are going to be coming out in March for that. And then there's not a whole lot on the ballot in August to bring people out. So it's going to be what we call in politics GOTV, okay. get out the vote. Yep. Um, so it, it's all about um, making sure that your message and what your vision is yeah. is in front of the voters that are going to be at the polls. Yeah, yeah. And so we, ho we hold that data. We own that data. Yeah. And I, I trust my people that, that work for me in that regard. Yep. Um, and, and we're going to be putting our message in front of those people. And it's a very, it's micro targeting. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I picked up this April gets it done, right? And I can tell by spending just a few minutes with you that um, you're the type of person that's really aggressive. They're probably just, uh, you know, grinding through what you believe to be true and kind of, you know, headed towards this office. And you, and I get the sense you feel good about, you know, potentially winning this election. You know, what are the biggest foundational things around the tax collectors that like you'd like to see change? I think there needs to be a little bit more involvement in the community. Okay. Um, I think that our ter- our current tax collectors done a really good job in laying a foundation because I, I've been here my whole life. And I remember the Disney queues of the DMV where you had to stand in a rope line yeah, yeah. and get to the front. And, and it was just miserable having to go deal with any of that. Sure. Um, and, and, and there has been some really there have been some really good things that Big have happened in that, yeah. that being said i'm ready to take it to the next level okay because i do have a I, I think big yeah um and and i'm someone who can get people motivated around yeah. me to change and i'm open to a lot of ideas so the the position that i served in i was a nonpartisan candidate in a countywide race i've won six elections countywide yep. and in that capacity I wasn't just talking to Democrats and I wasn't just talking to Republicans. I was talking to everybody in this community that needed representation. And in that I created a lot of free friendships and I have a lot of really great people that I surround myself with. I never want to be the smartest person in the room, Sure. but my degree is organizational studies, which is the psychology, sociology, and business of an organization. So okay. the people and the systems and how they interact with one another. I used to own yeah. a software development company. So yeah. I understand how software works. Oh, then, um, then you know the CEO, the CEO is the psychiatrist. Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I was the HR director at the public defender's office. Okay. So I understand human wow. resources. Um, I understand the laws. I understand privacy laws because when you're dealing with um, our students, you had FERPA and then you had HIPAA when it came to healthcare, and those two sometimes intersected in our schools. Yep. So I understand how to get people to share data legally. I understand that law drives everything that we do. So the first question I would always ask when changes were, were proposed is, what does the law tell us we have to do? Mm-hmm. And the law is always the minimum. Yep. But I'm absolutely qualified for the position. I'm excited about going in there and having an impact on 400 people there are 400 employees at that organization and and to wake up every single day and to be responsible for 400 people's lives just on a daily basis that excites me because yeah, i'm yeah. looking forward to providing an environment for them where they want to then provide the best service for this community absolutely and that's a big responsibility the uh, and so you've got a candidate running against you and i don't know you know i don't i didn't know much about either candidate but is there something that you you know in a, in your mind that sets you apart so i think um, there there is somebody who's running she's been with the office for 30 years she's okay. very nice i know her family she's a very nice person okay um you know she's to be commended for her years of service with the tax collector's office that being said i don't know that she is right for the job because that office is going through change right now. The yeah. minute that their leader of over 20 years announced that he was not running for reelection, that office started the process of change management. Sure. And so in that, there's going to be a lot of upheaval. There's going to be a lot of turbulence. Okay. And you need somebody who knows how to navigate that. 
that's what I do. That's my yep. degree. Yeah, sounds like it. That's, yeah. that's been right in your wheelhouse. Absolutely. That's kind of what you've dealt with with the school board and everything else. Is, is that typical? Like when you, and I think it's Doug Belden, right? That's yes. been the tax collector. Correct. He's retiring. You know, this office is up for grabs. Is that typical when that happens? Is there a lot of staff that are, are changed? So succession planning, you should have people in line that, yep. that are ready for the job. If someone got hit by the lottery, and we're not there. Yeah. You want you want people that, that are there that can sustain the organization. Yeah, yeah. But those are the people that are there day to day. You're going to have a team around you. And what I've been saying all along is that anybody who is there for the good of the organization will have a place. Yeah. You know, You're the, obviously going to go in and look at the from, experience right. and look at the team and yeah, and, and cherry pick the best people and right. Right. But I always surround myself with, with smart people. Sure. I never want to be the smartest person in the room. Absolutely. I mean, that's what makes a strong leader, right? And you end up, you know, I've found that as a leader, you're typically serving the employees anyway. Well, you know, and a lot absolutely. of leaders think it's the other way around. So Well, and when I was at the school district, um, we, we took on a philosophy of servant leadership. Mm-hmm. So I, I studied a lot of leadership. And Greenleaf, back in the 70s, um, came up with this theory around servant leadership. And there's some negative connotations to that because sometimes people think servitude is not a good thing. Yeah. But I want I want to be the type of leader that if I'm going to ask somebody to do something, I'm going to do that. So yeah, if I'm absolutely. asking somebody to get in there and get dirty, I'm going to get in there and get dirty too as far as rolling my sleeves up. And if I've got to pick up a broom and sweep, yeah. I'll do that. But I want all of my employees to be the, the same. Yep. Absolutely. A lot of chief cook bottle washers, right? People willing to right. pick up and you're a leader that's willing to show the show the route, whether right. it's picking up, you know, paper towels off the ground. They do it here. I tell the staff all the time, we should all do that, especially it's just a, it's a core responsibility really, no matter where you're at on the ladder. Right. I want, I want, if, if employees are seeing that someone is in need, I want them to step in. April, I really appreciated a lot of input. I appreciate the backstory. I'd love to dive in more at some point and learn more about your history and past. Um, you know, one of the things, um, you know, I just want to hit you with though, is, is like, why April, right? If, if, if you only had just a few seconds, right. And, you know, maybe a reference to the young people. So you'll come out and vote for these local offices is like Eminem said, you have one shot, right? You got one shot with somebody what is it about like the one impact that, that is just driving you crazy that's got you fired up? I think that what I've been seeing from a lot of people who have been serving and, and in this office even is it's it's they give the minimum mm. and, and they're not going mm. above and beyond. You know, we, we are there are laws that that we have to abide by, but the law is the absolute minimum. Mm. What can we do above and beyond that for the citizens of this community? The law is just not the marker. We've right. got to go above and beyond that. Yeah, I didn't get the reference at first when you talked earlier about just like the law is the minimum, but now I understand the impact you were saying. The oath you take, is it, the oath isn't that you swear to do the minimum? No, <laughs> that's never been in any oath of office I've ever taken. All right. One of my favorite uh, parts of any podcast is the social media roundup with Emmanuel Jones. Uh, he is the brains behind the post-production. So thank you, Emmanuel, for joining us again today. And I can't wait to hear the questions you have for April and I. Awesome. Well, thank you again for having me, Matt. And I wanted to bring out these articles. I thought these would be interesting. So the first one says, some interesting facts about video marketing. This is by Multimedia 5. 
Uh, video is a natural storytelling medium, making it an effective method of persuasion, which in turn makes advertising more compelling. Eight billion videos are viewed a day on Facebook. So it's awesome you have Facebook. And, <laughs> and YouTube's six-second ads uh, generate an increase in ad recall, which is people remember the ad, by more than 30%. Uh, those are two interesting facts. I have one more, but without leading questions, what do y'all, how do y'all feel about video and marketing? Video being the influencer marketing. I mean, you know, this is a direct reflection, right? Podcasting, while most of it's audio, the video is gaining a lot of momentum and steam. And, and from the youth's perspective, I think it's been dangerous, the amount of emphasis that's been on video, but we have short attention spans and, and we're the kind of the, they say the youth is the first generation, but it doesn't really matter what age you are today. We're holding computers and we're consuming data. And what's the most, you know, pleasing from a visual standpoint is video because you're seeing and hearing. And so I think it'll continue to grow. I think the future of buying products is they're going to make that have to make the products interactive. If, if retail is going to die, we're going to need to see video or augmented reality of those products. Well, I, I, I agree. Video is definitely something that people want to see. And you know what I'm seeing happen, though, with Internet video is a generational shift. Everything is streaming now. Everything is video. You know, we're old school, my husband yeah. and I, and we have cable and yep. we watch cable. But I, I look at my kids and they're what they're streaming YouTube constantly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know who Jenna Marbles is. Yeah. One of, one of yeah. the first YouTubers, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. There you go. Um, but I know that from my kids. But sure. like you said, it, and I, I do a lot of online shopping, but there's certain things that you have to see it and feel it and touch it. And yeah. I don't know how we're going to how we're going to rectify that. I got to think in the political spectrum too, just spinning it. I got to think if I'm listening to this podcast and I'm hearing April, April's voice and she's running as a candidate, I almost want to see the video. Right. Like sometimes, like with Joe Rogan, I think a lot of people listen to the audio. It's interesting. You already know who Ron White, if it's Ron White, he's interviewing, which was a funny interview he did. But when you're talking about a political candidate video, you know, there's probably people that are going, okay, I'm on the audio. I want to switch over and see the video because they want to put a, you know, a, 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 you know, voice to a face with a political candidate. So just, you know, pulling in the political side. Yeah. Well, and there's research that talks about candidates and how they look. And how they sound. Oh yeah. And and there have been people who can pick the winner based on how they look and how they sound. Isn't that crazy? Video portrays, you know, the best of the imagery that people are, you know, because they're making the assumption. They're listening to April's voice and they're going, "Yeah, I wonder what she looks like." Is it important? Probably not. But we are human, and that's how it's work. It's how it's working. That's so, true. Good, good, good point. Awesome. Uh, that was the first article. The second article is six mobile marketing tips to skyrocket your sales. This is by Wishitech. Uh, in simple terms, mobile marketing is a digital multi-channel marketing strategy that aims to make your business appeal to users of mobile devices, such as smartphones, tablets, etc. This is done via email, websites, social media, apps, and more. Uh, so there's two things that it wants to make sure it's important and emphasize is that your website should be mobile friendly. And the U.S. alone accounts for 65% of the global population of people who own smartphones. So wow. how important or do you think that it is helpful to do mobile marketing um, in this day and age? You want to take that one, April? Absolutely. And, you know, when I got my, my website developed for the campaign, yeah. um, you have to have it mobile ready. 
And I helped um, at the public defender's office to take her website to a different place too. Sure. And we wanted to make sure because most of our clients probably didn't have a laptop or a tablet, but they had mobile phones. Yeah. And so a lot of people don't even have a computer. They have a phone. Yeah. And if you can't reach people via their mobile phone or via mobile app yeah, on their yeah. phone, I mean, you're not going to, you're going to lose a big part of the population. How frustrating is it when you're doing something on the web and all of a sudden it's not responsive to mobile? I would say 90% of my emails I check are from my mobile phone. Right. Right. It's like the computer, I mean, we're carrying around a waterproof computer. So for the listeners and watchers, you know, the people that haven't been on planet earth for the last five and a half years, mm -hmm. it's mobile is, I don't think it's important. I think it's a necessity. And, you know, back to the polit political side of things, if you're looking, you know, can't, you can't afford to lose the opportunity to touch that one person that you need to get your message out to, right? That, that might resonate, that might motivate them. It'd be really frustrating, even in the political sense, to get somebody right and then lose them on the mobile side. So to your point, you know, one of the first things you were thinking of is I've got to be mobile ready to deploy my message. Yes. In the last article, I thought y'all might find interesting. Uh, BlackBerry smartphones are dead. Uh, sales officially ending in August. This is according to Android Central. I never had a BlackBerry. Did you ever have a BlackBerry? I, I did. I oh. actually. Okay, I actually, here we go. I actually just, it's so funny because I, I've just been doing a lot of purging yeah. lately. And um, if, if I haven't, you know, I've gone, gone into a couple Tell boxes. Tell me you had a BlackBerry in a I, box I that found, you were trying to get something I found, off of. Actually, I didn't know because I couldn't even turn it back on. But um, I actually found a couple Blackberries in the box that we, you know. Hold on to. We'll be selling this I, movie props in I, 15 years. Probably. Yeah, that's that's, that's where they'll go. That's funny. Yeah. the I was never a BlackBerry user. You know, I hate to say it. I know it for a while. They were the thing. What's weird that you bring that up is, didn't they just do a whole release of coming back to market as BlackBerry? Didn't I see that? Is that why you bring that up? Uh, there was like some things where BlackBerry was bought by another company. Maybe BlackBerry thought that the older generation, you know, was having problems with a smartphone and learned <laughs> a valuable lesson that nobody's having problems <laughs> with either Android or Apple's OS. Right. There's no more room for an OS on the mobile, I don't think. Got you. Yeah. Well, that was another round of Social Roundup. I appreciate both y'all talking about different perspectives on these articles, and I hope that the listeners enjoyed this as well. All right. Any last? No, I just want to thank hurrahs? you. Thank yeah, you thank, so much. Yeah, thank you. I mean that. I, I mean, appreciate this. It was cool. Yeah. My and, first... I, and I look forward to, to getting to know you more. I really appreciate you coming down to Brown on Brand. Um, it was quite a treat having you. I learned some things today. I've got a real passion for politics. I'm disappointed that I'm not more involved in the local side of it, but I'm going to make myself a promise and get, you know, you know, involved in the local politics and kind of the candidates. So it was nice to learn about you and uh, we're out. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And remember, subscribe to Brown on Brand at thumbstopper.fm or wherever fine podcasts can be found.